Well, have y'all heard of this thing, the Lindy effect? No. No idea. <laughs> I think I think it's 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 uh it's named after someone who who like has a newsletter and talks about it a lot, kind of like, you know, thought thought person style. Uh and uh you know, Matt Ray, let me digress. You're in this this business now. What is what yes. is the word? Is do we just say advocate, thought leader? Like what uh <laughs> what what do we say there? Prime Minister of Thinking. Um, I, oh, that's good. It's <laughs> no, I mean, uh, it kind of depends on what you're doing. You know, you got your developer advocates, your uh, developer relations, your um, yeah. the, uh, evangelist has fallen out of favor uh, a little too no, uh, hand wavy and snakes, but um, yeah, hand wavy and snakes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you like, like I, you know, on on a uh, another podcast vaguely associated with uh, the hallway track. I think I think that Broberg guy, he's in charge of all the content uh, thought lords and ladies, if I remember. And he owns Red Hat's like uh, executive appeal website, the enterprise something or another, uh, which is sort of like, you know, appeal to the executives. And, and I wonder, like, so I, you know, I could understand the developer advocate and your developer relations. You could throw an ops in there, I assume. I, I, I wonder what the service now people call it. But like when you're doing the executive relations, you're not really like doing like executive advocacy or executive relations. And and like, you know, traditionally it's just thought leadership, but no one wants to admit to that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that that is a tongue in cheek. I think it's strategy. I think you, but, you, you adapt uh, in your role. Oh, I, think, I think you always adapt you uh, a strategy thing. And then I think I'm going to paraphrase the Broberg um uh, description is he said something like on the hallway track he said something like he got out of developer advocacy because he felt like the function should not exist that it really oh. is just playing a role that really should just be played by pro- product management then he goes on to say like product management you should be an active member of the community upon which you're building oh, products boy. for right so he went into that which i thought like which i thought was like man man does he totally get it is he hundred percent right? And that is definitely not how it works. That I had like, I mean, it just simultaneously had like every thought there, but I thought like the take was really good. It was like, it was very insightful. Like it is just the fact that you need developer uh, advocates sort of is just a sign that the organizations like not, not any one organization, just that the whole model is somewhat kind of broken. Right. And I think you can kind of say the same. Role. Yeah. I think you can say the same thing with your role. Kote is like, call it strategy because it's kind of aligned to product strategy and it's just a very neutral term. Uh-huh. And that uh-huh. would, um, cause really that's what you're doing, right? You're sort of going out, explaining and discussing the strategy as an active part of, let's say the executive community community. And then you sure. in theory, you bring all that back and then share it with your, your teams. And that helps mm-hmm. inform mm-hmm. the, the product product strategy. So that's how I would pitch it. That's what I would say you do. Now, now you've been a product manager several times, Brandon. And, and like, do you, like, it, does that proposition like fit into the time that a product manager has to be like a, a, also do developer advocacy? Well, I think his key insight, right? I mean, he says it, you know, like I thought when ProWork said, he's like, Hey, you know, product management is all about being an active part of the community upon which you're trying to build products to. But like now, so the reason that developer advocate uh, eventually, you know, comes up. The reason that it, it, we we have this is that 
the role of product management or now more recently offering management. That's like my official title now. A lot of, you know, because we've gotten away from packaged products. This is an industry, right? We're all managing offerings for the subscriptions. Exactly. So, but the reason what happens is, um, you know, that role gets bogged down with a lot of other things like, Hey, you need to manage the business. You need to go to QBRs. I need someone to do the pricing. I need someone to do the packaging, you know? Yeah. So that role yeah. over time, cause it's sort of viewed as like this, you know, you can view it a couple of different ways. It's more strategic and you're doing more executive management up, or you can also say you're kind of getting stuck with a lot of janitorial work that just has to get done. Like someone has to figure out the licensing. Somebody has to figure out the legal stuff. Somebody has to, you know, and then somebody will say, well, Hey, you know, we need, we need people out there talking to the community and like working with the clients all the time. Like we need someone doing that all the time. And you're like, well, you know, instead of just say like, well, that's the role of product management, people then hire a developer advocate. Yes, right? And I then see, if you're I good see. at okay. developer advocacy, you'll often then like, let's take Kelsey Hightower, right? The last tweet I saw for him is he's like, said something, he's stepping away back from his uh, advocacy role and getting into a product role. So he got so good at it that they've kind of sucked him back in. So eventually my guess is that he'll, he'll get sucked into doing more and more of these other functions. Right. And then a new Kelsey Hightower will emerge from Google or he'll come back and say, Hey, I don't, I don't want to do that. I was doing too many, too many other like non say, uh, community product related things. Like that's just the cycle. I see too many yeah. QBRs and yeah. 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 Now, now how about, how about you, uh, Matt Ray? Like, could you, you have, would, have you ever product managed anything? I have, <clears throat> um, short answer is yes. Uh, but mm-hmm. not for long. <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, I think I don't have the right, I, I have done some product stuff, but usually uh, the feedback I got when, when I did a brief stint in product management was you're too focused on the details and, you know, the inner workings mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, and so, uh, it didn't last long and it's probably true. I mean, I'm, I'm more, uh, my role now is I, I think I am in product management technically, uh, but at, my title is uh, developer relations, and so it's yeah, I, I'm yeah. doing that. I'm doing that. You know, product market fit, talking to users, trying to find you know the right you know trying trying to meet the users where they are with new ideas, that kind of stuff. So um, it's definitely product management related. I'm doing some of the things Brandon mentioned. Uh, you know, working on messaging. And um, you know, mm. advocating on behalf of certain feature sets or you know whatever, but uh, right, right, right. I, but but yeah. so but then but then also also at your company there's like eight employees, right? So, <laughs> so basically, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, w- w- nothing gets described as janitorial work because we're all janitors. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's probably less. Well, there just is enough, less janitorial uh, work in general, right? You're not having the full blown QBRs and the meetings and like the like you shouldn't. Yeah, be, well, at uh, this point, yeah. right? I mean, so and I think maybe what Matt Ray is sort of revealing, maybe unintentionally, is like, you know, I would say this for the work that most people in product management want to do. The way that you do that is don't have the title product manager, offering manager. Have a title like developer advocate or something else because it keeps you much closer to the customers, the community and stuff like that. So that's the secret to be great at product management and offering management is never actually have the job title. Be just what Matt said. Like (laughs) Matt just said, like, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not really doing it. I'm just figuring out product market fit and working with the customers and helping us develop strategy, which is like what everybody in product offering management wants to do. (laughs) No one wants to be like, 
meeting oh. with sales, meeting with marketing. Yeah, no one's hey, like, oh, I got to do the sales enablement yeah. deck. Uh, there's this lawyer they want me to talk to. Somehow we we, we came up Get with this weird Get out of my calendar, Brandon. Thing. It's just like, <laughs> you're like, oh, like, that's... Okay, uh, so, so, so yes. It, it, yes, in the previous week, I have met with a lawyer. I have <laughs> met with Mark. I have a weekly meeting with marketing and with sales. Damn it, Brandon. <laughs> but that's what they say. Like, this is what I think is very funny about like when someone, especially a, a relatively small company, comes in and they're like, hey, we, we want to hire like a, a VP of product or a director of product management. And you're like, there was a time you're like, wow, that's, those are going to be great jobs. That's going to be great. I'm going to like be on the ground floor. It's like, no, no, no. Like what they're saying is like, hey, I'm having a lot of meetings with lawyers and there's this pricing thing and uh, the, there isn't a roadmap slide, the board of directors meetings. Like that's the problem they're actually verbalizing Ooh. they want solved, which is... You know, which I guess to some degree is solved today about product management, but it's not really why I think people are drawn to the job. So, so it's always like so, a so weird, I, I, you know, it's like a weird dichotomy there. I think, I think what you're saying is if you are going to be a VP of product management at a startup, you're getting hired because no one else knows how to add a SKU to SAP. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've gotten to the you're point where SAP somebody at a startup. Yeah. Well, no, I, I've just said like the board of directors has gotten to the point where they've taken a aside the founder who's maybe the CTO, maybe he's the CEO and this, and they have a very strong vision of what they want, want the product to be. And they've said like, you need to do these other things. Right. And that's all the things talk about legal finance, you know, all that stuff. And they said like, and they're like, and the, the, and the uh, founder is like, Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like I, but I, but I'm going to control the product vision. They're like, Oh, absolutely. You're definitely gonna do it, but go hire like a VP of product to this other stuff. And then, you know, yeah, the VP yeah, of product yeah. comes in thinking like, oh, well, they want me to really help reshape the product vision. No, no. Oh, oh, hold your horses there, my friend. No, no, no. They don't want any yeah, help there. Yeah. They want you to help operationalize it. And then hopefully over time, right, everyone fi- figures it out or, you know, you rot- rotate through a couple of VPs and eventually you find somebody like that snaps in or you, or, or sometimes people are, are more honest about it. Like they hire some kind of operations person. Like I need a VP of operations. And that's often a very, it's yeah, a very... Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a more true title, but it's not as recruitable. People are like, Hmm, I don't know if I want to be the operations person. Right. So that's why they <laughs> sometimes give you that better title, but you're more like operational. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. That's like similar to like, you know, some marketing roles where people just want you to like know how to use MailChimp. They don't want you to actually come up with like marketing and position and, and it's not bad. Like that, that kind of stuff can make or break a company. Like it's, it's yeah. perfectly fine, but it's it, different than isn't that uh, field marketing. You know, well, I, always, th- th- this would be a fun codex to have. I always think of field marketing as people who work with the salespeople. Like they, you know, when you, if you have a big enough organization, right. It's like, right. Like Brandon was saying, you got to go to the cube. You got to, uh, they also, you could also call it enablement, which I suppose is a type of field marketing, but it's just sort of like, any any marketing thing the field needs from the the, the you know the decks that you give them to uh, the mm-hmm. training mm-hmm. about stuff like it depends how big of an organization you have versus like uh, I guess what I would call it is like campaign management like right. figuring out all the campaigns and assets and all that thrilling stuff boy. Do, doing enterprise <laughs> software is, is a real snoozer. Sometimes. But I think, I don't know, maybe to, <laughs> to, to talk about it, make it all sound more positive. It's like all these roles, like to some degree, there's a lot of overlap, right? And it like flipping around, like the product management, even the VP, like you usually do have control of the roadmap and the schedule just because, you know, that's sort of like something no one else wants to do. So yeah, that yeah. In, in by default gives you a lot of authority, right? And then everyone else can complain about it, but you do have like, 
Okay, I'm I'm putting this in the sprint. I'm putting this in the uh, the queue. It's actually going to get done. So there is some of that stuff. I think it's just sort of back to you know all the things you're kind of hitting on. It's just like there is a, a way to be more honest about what the jobs are. And but to be fair about that too, sometimes especially founders like they don't really know, right? They just have no idea what these jobs really are like and what they're looking for. And honestly, there's, I don't think there's any way you can do it other than just like, you have to let the founders like rotate through two or three executives until they find a team that they like. And it's just like, I think if you take those roles, you just got to know that, right? You just need to go come in. And it's like, Hey, I'm going to do this for about a year. And then we're going to decide whether or not like uh, we're really meshing. Like, are we doing the things you want? And probably the first yeah, person yeah. in probably will not be the right person for the, for the team. It's just like, you know, there's just like, it's like growing up. There's no way to do it other than just to go through the process. Yeah. You get, you get a bad founder executive fit that that's no, yeah. You know, that should be a rule of thumb is never be the first person in a role at a startup. This episode is brought to you by strong DM. One of your SREs quit. You suspended their VPN access. Was that good enough? Are your sure infrastructure access is locked down? StrongDM is the only way to be confident in your access controls across any environment. Instantly revoke access to any database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to demonstrate exactly who did what, when, and where across your entire stack. Trusted by companies like Hearst, Peloton, and SoFi, StrongDM is the only way to manage access and audit controls at scale without disrupting workflows. Start your 14-day free trial at strongdm.com slash STT. There's no credit card required. That's strongdm.com slash STT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Uh, well, you know, uh, not on topic at all. Uh, I, I was reminded of something with some conversation we we're having earlier. And, you know, over here in Europe, they use paper straws a lot. Uh, pretty much everywhere has a paper straw because you know plastic is is uh, is bad. But here here's the here's the thing. I, I, I there must be some name for this kind of effect. I don't know if this is some sort of like thinking fast, thinking slow thing. But the issue is you got a paper straw, and the paper straw like stops functioning about halfway through drinking. So oh, if yeah. you're a straw person, you go get another paper straw, and now you're down two paper straws. Right now is two paper straws just as bad as like a plastic straw or a bamboo straw. Like I, I want some quantification because I feel like, I feel like it's like, Hey, how about I give you something that's worse? Give me some commentary, Matt Ray. What, what do I do with paper straw? So somebody in product management said, you know what the opposite of market fit is? Anti-market fit. We're going to make a, a tool that's so pointless that people will stop using it. So paper straws are where it's at. For so yeah, Cote, you're a straw lover. You'll you'll use two paper straws. Me, I've given up on straws. So so now no, wait wait <laughs> hold, hold on hold on. I I have to to your point. I have a uh, I have a uh, what do you call it? Like when there's a big shocker. I've got a, a a big shocker here at the end. I'm not a straw user. I don't understand uh, straws. Like, <laughs> I, I'm opposed to straws. I don't get what you don't understand. Is. I think straws. The, you have the winning strategy right there. You just you nailed it. Just, yeah, I refuse to like play Matt the game. I, yeah, we just like you know we're not even we're not even we're not even on the board, right? Like paper uh. straw, plastic straw. I'm out. Like not not involved. <laughs> I I I mean I just I just the only it's only recently that I saw the now we have actually had this conversation before, and someone mentioned that like you know some people can't pick up a cup to drink, and yes, I think I yes. said the same thing, which is like. 
of course, right? Like, I'm not going to say that, like, you know, I've tried to use crutches and I'm opposed to them because they're difficult, <laughs> right? Like, if, 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 you, if you need an affordance to, like, get through life, then sure, no problem. But I think for those of us the, who don't need the affordances, like, straws seem like a, a, an interesting luxury. And the only time nice. recently that I sort of, like, I was like, ah, straws, I get it, is, like, when my daughter, who is, like, 14, 15 months old, she uses a straw, right? And she doesn't quite know how to, uh, I, she kind of knows how to pick up a cup and drink it. But there was a point where like picking up a cup and drinking it meant she was, we'd need to change her clothes and clean up the floor. But a straw was functional for her. Anyways, I just think like the paper straws just eliminate straws. And maybe maybe next time some sort of conspiracy theory comes up, we could distract them with the straw conspiracy theory Matt Ray brought up is that the the paper straws are actually... It's kind of like all that annoying advice about, uh, you know, pandemics where you kind of like assume the citizens are going to be dumb. So you give them like this contrary, weird advice. Like my wife did a a COVID self-test because she's got a snotty nose, even though she's vaccinated. And of course, it well, not of course, it was negative. And you read the instructions and it's basically like, don't take this test if you have COVID symptoms. Mm. And you're kind of like... So these are just like party, these are like party favors. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I called a doctor's office yesterday to schedule an appointment because their online registration said, do not call, you know, do not schedule an appointment if you have any of these symptoms and, you know, headaches and, you know, we were going in for migraines and it's just like, come on, you know, the symptoms are too general, but anyway, go on straws. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so speaking of being too general, now last week I wasn't around because I was moving. We moved into a new house. If you if you're in the video, you can see some of it. But uh, boy, it's it's crazy moving to a new house. There's there's a lot going, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. I have I have one observation I want to make, and then we'll get back to to the tech world. Now, here in the Netherlands, when you check out of a rental, everything has to be pristine, right? Like they're very strict about everything being perfect, uh, as far as I can tell. But now get this. I don't know how it is over there in Sydney, but I remember in in America when you buy a house, it also generally has to be like pristine when you move in. This is not the case. Professional in the cleaners in yeah. Europe. Yeah, yeah. Like they did the. I mean, I'm not, wait, I'm not wait, saying wait. anything about the. Form. So it it's pristine when you leave, but somehow when you move in, it's not. Do you have squatters? No, 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 no. And this is, this is to be clear, this is not the people we bought the house from. This is like the norm in the Netherlands. Okay. It's just like totally normal. But like they did, they did do cleaning. They do, they clean stuff up, but they just like left all the holes in the walls and there's stuff like hanging here and there. Like, you know, of course it being Europe, people take all their lamps with them. Like they didn't take the floor, but like you hear these stories especially in Germany where people just like take everything and you move in and it's like the baseboards and there's wires hanging everywhere. But it it is a little shocking uh, that like, you know, they don't paint the walls. They're just like nothing. I mean, there it's, it's, uh, it's very odd, but you know, uh, totally unrelated to that last week when I was moving, uh, I think Brandon as always was giving uh, Matt Ray some shit about rust and uh you know how i don't even know like, <laughs> i'm not the, sure why but yeah yeah i was gonna say i don't know if you even like if you're running your ipads on rust like i don't i don't think <laughs> no. you actually do no. that right no i, I... And, and 
No, Rust is Matt Ray's. I no. mean, self-proclaimed is like his pro. It's like happy programming language. No, it's you, not. I think it is. I think I'm gonna have to go back no. and check the tapes. I, I, I thought for I, sure. I, I, Am I wrong? Am I completely wrong I, here? I thought you've been talking have, about it. I have not coded in Rust. Ever. All right, I stand corrected. I thought I I Whoa, I clearly you, need to listen to the podcast ever. more closely. I not did not know ever. Wait, well, nope, uh, never. No. no, no. All right. Well, then I stand corrected. Okay. Okay. Well, here is my when I was listening to y'all last week. Uh, like my understanding of Rust is it's just for systems programming, right? Like if you're using Rust for application development for like you know doing my bill pay in banking, yeah. Then you know you're like Might gold be plating, and yes, it's not not cool, right? You yeah. should be using you, 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 can't, you know the it, you could do websites in C plus plus, but why? Oh uh, yes, like like you know the Redmond programming rankings came out, and like as always, JavaScript is number one. They should just, you know, that needs to be permanent. But it seems like, you know, their rankings are, I feel like, and I'm sure they comment on this, but I feel like the top five or so languages are always the same. Just like like this, this uh, for their June 2021 data run. It's like JavaScript, Python, Java, PHP, and CSS. Now, we've gone over this before, and I don't know. I don't think CSS is a programming language. I'm sure, I don't know if it's... <laughs> Is it is it uh, is it Turing complete? Isn't that like what makes a programming language? Does that mean that it's sentient or something? I, I forget yes. what a Turing complete language. Yes, the AI is going to sneak out of your browser. Yeah, yeah, it's just the box model has taken over the world and uh, is like crushing human skulls on the battlefield. But like, it seems like the the uh, the languages are always the same on that list. Like the top, the top languages. I do think that's, and, that's generally uh, true, I but I did think this week we, there's a different survey. Um, it's from the CNCF about their open project velocity. So sort of kind of not directly mm. related to um, pro, uh, programming languages, but one of, I guess one of the Rust is one of the, the projects. So it has grown. So I guess I would say it's grown significantly since the last time. So that just sort of shows that at least in that community, like Rust is, you know, and that would make sense, right? As a systems programming language, that's CNCF. Exactly. Seeing more uptake on it. So I thought that was just interesting, right? Because, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, you know, because you don't see it on, um, or I think in the, the Red Monk rankings, it's like, you know, it's kind of toward the bottoms. But but that's probably, it's going to be, it's high watermark. It's going to be kind of, you know, I wouldn't think it would get higher, too much higher just because it is very, at least at this point, it seems like it's very, has a very specific use. So, I thought that was interesting, but I thought the other thing that was real interesting about CNCF, because it just kind of gives us a sense of like, what are people, what problems are people having? So the other two um, mm. fast growing projects were open telemetry, which I think is just another you know version, like another way to say monitoring, right? Like, Hey, we want to monitor more things. <laughs> so, I mean, this it's is why monitoring. it is, this is why, this is why there's a million monitoring startups. It's like, it's still a problem. So I thought that was interesting. And then Matt, I think we talked about it last week, uh, Argo, right? That's the whole, um, you know, what is that sort of a GitOps kind of, uh, you know, mm -hmm. approach, right? So that's also growing pretty fast. So that's kind of interesting too, is sort of, you know, this idea that, um, you know, Matt took us through most of it last week, you know, declarative de uh, deployment and all that. So I think that was, that was kind of interesting because it does seem to mirror, at least for me, it's sort of like what I think people are talking about a lot. Like, how do I deploy things better? How do I monitor things better? And then the other one I thought was interesting that was higher than I thought was this cube verb, which is all about, you know, trying to run VMs on Kubernetes. So that's something I think it's, mm. I think that gets, that is, I would say an aspiration that many people have. I don't know. I mean, we can kind of like whether or not it's a right. good idea yeah. is maybe a separate thing, but just the fact that like people are really trying to do it. 
um, just kind of shows you that there's a real problem that needs to be solved. At least people think there's a problem. It, it needs solved. a lot of velocity. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> you know, like we're going to throw bodies at that problem. Yeah. A, but all those things, I mean, I do think, you and, know, and monitoring how, declarative deployments and migrations of, of VMs, like, yeah, yeah. Like if yeah, I, you I know, mean, you, that's a big, big, big deal. All those problems are you big You definitely see, see the current state of the industry in those sorts of graphs. Like, you you know, what's, what's hot? Uh, well, what's most pressing to the most people, I guess. And, you know, where the biggest trend lines are, you know, obviously that gets exposed in the data and, and you can read through it. There, there's, there's some outliers in there, of course. Um, you know, they're, they're measuring, uh, uh, I think Amazon docs are a, uh, top 30 GitHub project. I don't think anyone's ever, <laughs> is, is that good or bad? I, I mean, you know, the velocity of your documentation can be scary, I guess. Um, I don't you know. know I think but, it's good. Uh, it just means like, hey, docs yeah. are getting written, right? You know, that's yeah, step docs one. are getting written. You know, um, it, it's nice to see that FreeBSD is still kicking in the top thirty. Um, not that I really feel that's relevant. <laughs> yeah, the other one, though. Sorry. So, so, ba- mm-hmm. so, so velocity here is measured by uh, basically commits, right? Like for the most many, part, there's uh, they outlined the uh, the whole. Yeah, uh, I mean, you could come up with a, a yeah. model, of course, but. You know, this is this is also another problem. It's like, you know, trying to measure things on GitHub by things like stars, you know, or, you know, that's. Well, to be fair, Harris, so this is Chris forks, over or, uh, CTO of CNF. So like they, I mean, they did what no, we no, always no, talk no. about. They put the entire yeah. Google Doc is out there and all the oh, raw yeah, data. Yeah, no, that, that is so appreciated. See, that is appreciated. I'm just saying you can find. You, see. Yeah, you, you can, you can poke holes in any model because, you know, you're modeling something and you're looking to reinforce a thesis, but no, it, it's, it, it is a, a useful model. I, I'm just, you know, picking at the the fringes of it, but you know, there, there's definitely my, the point I was going to make is, is sometimes things are taken out of the project because, you know, the project's getting too big and too active. Right. Mm. So, you know, may, yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe you've got, uh, you know, uh, you know, Kubernetes at number one. Well, that kind of makes sense. But, you know, as, as Cote has alluded to many times, Kubernetes is not a batteries included model, right? So the batteries are all out in different projects, right? You know, your monitoring's over in Prometheus. Your, you know, your networking mm-hmm. is in like 17 different projects. So, you know, Kubernetes as an ecosystem is massive, you know. Um, but, you know, it, that this, this might turn into like a Gartner Magic Quadrant where there's somebody off the top right who's, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm in the same quadrant. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so I, we'll I, talk I about like, that uh, later. I, I like what you were saying, Brandon. This is a good. What well, this is this is a uh, a very useful way of looking at what problems are being addressed, and therefore uh, working backwards to what problems are. Right, and now you know. Obviously, that's not. It's not going to be a hundred percent accurate with all things, but it is. It, like I'll I'll have to. Uh, it'll be fun to look at that over time to kind of see like what problems we have solved and what people are worrying about things like that. So that's, that's a good indication. Now, let me ask this. What do we decide instead of a uh, thought leader? My title should be something strategy. Yeah. VP strategy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. prime minister. Me, no, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. Let me ask on behalf of the other prime ministers, just as a refresher, uh, because I think we all have liberal arts degree. Now, why would you use a logarithmic scale? I find that very confusing because I think what that means is that I can't read this chart. 
right? It just like, means that I, the I numbers, see, you I just see. have high variance between like the very top, right? It's like when you like one, your top is like right, you know, right, 30,000 right. and your bottom has like three and you're just trying to put it all on a chart. So you're just trying to make it so, so es- work. Es- essentially. So if I look at, it means that the one who's in the, the one that is in the, the top right one. It's Kubernetes, is just like right? Far yeah. and away. Yeah. And so that's we're, Kubernetes, we're right? Mm-hmm. We're basically comparing like smart bear revenue to like uh, Google revenue. Wow. Is, is, smart is, bear is out of nowhere. We're looking at there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. Hey, that's exactly smart right. Smart bear's coming yeah. on strong. Yeah. And now, I do think you hey, could I'm, say for this, for if, you know, again, unintended uh, feedback for Chris in the report, like you can probably just take Kubernetes out. Like that's sort of like, I don't know. It's just kind of like a, a right, given, right? Because right, right. the other ones, to your, your earlier point, it's sort of, in some ways, the way to look at this is like, Hey, these are all the things that we wish Kubernetes just kind of did. Like you always kind of joke, Kote. It's like, oh, I just yeah. assumed it did all these things. It's like all these projects to some degree are sort of an indication of like, oh, this is really what, you know, people kind of assume this is in it if it isn't, right? And that kind of gives you like a clue yeah. as to yeah. where the pain points are. But yeah, to your original question, like, yeah. So obviously Kubernetes will probably always be the number one forever on this graph would be my guess. And then whatever's at the very, very bottom, you know, it probably has a handful of commits, right? So you're just trying to find a way to graph all this together. Yeah. I'm wow, at the bottom. That, those are those. Are, <laughs> now, I I think I think uh, those are nice charts. That's that's good stuff to see. Now I do think that the other oh, uh, survey I was going to say just because there's some fun ones. Uh, uh, the Red Monk has kind of the straight up rankings, but the Stack Overflow developer survey it has like I think it has like a ton of fun questions, like most wanted, oh, yeah. loved uh, programming language. So so Rust again, Rust is most loved. So I thought that was interesting. So yeah, um, those the, stations love their rust. Uh, yeah. They do. And then, uh, of course, uh, rust well, stations, there's even a name. That's fantastic. <laughs> Rustifarians. <laughs> um, so the rust people most loved. And then, of course, I think, unfortunately, I think COBOL has been at the bottom as not wanted or what do they call it? Unloved, hated COBOL. Hey. So poor COBOL. It's still it's way down there. It's always at the bottom of no one wants to work on it. Uh, but I nobody still, wants to work on it, but they get paid on it. That's what I was that's, gonna say. They the need key. to plot salary or like I don't know rate yeah. per hour next to this because I was like, man, I think you, I think I need to learn some COBOL. That's that was my takeaway. It's like that's a real <laughs> takeaway. It's like what do people hate? That's what I'm gonna do. Uh, and then yeah. on the database, most loved Postgres. I don't know. Not that surprising, I guess. And then Oracle, they is not loved, not hated, basically. And then Matt, oh. I thought for you, I was I. You know, no, there was no love for Chef or Puppet. They were, they were fairly, I don't know. I, I was like, what is your take in seeing that, Matt? Yeah. Are you surprised to see that? I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised to see that myself. I, you know, I, I, I think, I think it's, it's one of those, um, it's one of those necessary evils, right? Like tying all this stuff together is hard. And, you know, you, there are a lot of abstractions that you can come up with. And, you know, there, there are benefits to Chef, to Puppet, to Ansible, to whatever. And somebody's going to be offended at the abstraction you've made. You know, someone is going to not like that, you know, oh, this one is a programming language. That one's a model. This one I can do it with a, you know, no code editor. And this one I have to know YAML. I mean, you can't make everybody happy. And it's a hard problem anyway. So, um, tough. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just then, thought there would be more love just, for, because um, in some ways they're proxies for like, you know, moving to like a DevOps culture. Like, I don't know. I thought there would maybe, that's why I was a little surprised. It's just like, I don't as, know. As people I, I mean, want to move to like a, you know, break down the, the silos. It feels like if you're using Chef and Puppet, like maybe you are like 
feeling like you're making some more progress. So you would, so it just would I don't know. I just surprised. I mean, obviously I'm wrong. The data speaks for itself. I, I was, I was looking over some survey stuff that, uh, that, that we were doing, you know, figuring out, packaging it up and, uh, yeah, like, like chef and puppet and related things were like the top way to like package things up for production amongst the survey base, which, which was, uh, that was interesting to see. So it must, I mean, there must be, you know, obviously there's a lot of usage out there, but that would be fun to track like usage of that versus whatever else, <laughs> because it, it's still like, it's still, I don't know. Like it still seems like it would be dominant out there versus, I don't even know what else you would do really. I mean, I probably should know based on the products. Well, we just have su- it's surprising that like, I guess the way to read it is sort of like, hey, here's a way to automate and, you know, as we've been talking about, last couple of says like, you know, if you will, declarative de- uh, deployment, like really, and, you know, you would hope that people would see the benefits. Like, so that's kind of what I think you're like, at least you're hoping you get with, you know, Puppet and Chef, right, to some extent. But I think people are, I don't know, it's like something deeper there. Like they're they're not getting that or they don't really appreciate that as much, right? Or it's just too hard. They're like, yeah, we like doing it, but... I don't know. It's like losing well, weight. Or, no or one wants saying, to work out. Like it's not fun working out to like, even if the goals you achieve, nobody wants good. to do that anymore. I mean, the <laughs> things that people want, you know, people mm. want are like, you know, get Docker Kubernetes, right? Like we all want to be cloud native. It's aspirational. I don't like the things that, you know, I don't like brushing my teeth. I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's a necessary evil if you're still in infrastructure land. Um, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the know, best way to say it. Like everyone has has tried to leave yeah. infrastructure land, and if you're still doing that, like you're you're on the bad ride. It still sucks. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> and then the final one in here I thought was good uh, was just uh, yep, fifty percent of the people actually forty nine point four seven percent of the developers they're full stack, which just seems like the yeah. safest answer to any question. You're like, I'm full stack. Like that's it such a BS really, answer, right? But it just seems like if someone asks you and you don't really know what they're asking about, you're like, yeah, I'm full stack. And then you just wait until they ask you something else. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't, I don't do that part, right? That way you kind of can opt in and out exactly. of what, what, it's what's like, being done. Which part of the stack you like? You're like, I like the full stack. <laughs> like, okay, well, can you go compile me a kernel and then tell me what happens in the JavaScript? And you'll be like, no. Right. That should be the, that yeah. should be the, uh, as soon as someone walks in for an interview, they should, you should immediately hand them one assignment to compile the Linux kernel yes. followed by please write the following HTML and CSS by hand. Right. Like, and just be like, okay, that's let's, I just wanted to test out the full stack there before you, before yeah. we continue the interview. Did we forget anything? Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, you've got commits to Vue.js and to Arch Linux. Way to go. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of, but it is, I will say though, like all these titles, once you get below like full stack, back end, front end, it's just like, there's just a bunch of random titles. You're like, yeah, this probably <laughs> are just as like, they're probably as good as anything else. I guess database administrator, that's pretty, that's pretty. Well, but, but they also, they add up to more than a hundred percent. Right. So, so there are people like, oh yeah, I'm a full stack. Oh yeah. I'm a front end. Oh yeah. I do that. <laughs> that's right? right. I'm everything. I'm a, well, I'm a full stack. So 50% of the people think they could do everything. Well, and then coming in at a, uh, 4.26% there's product manager. So there you go. There's some product managers out there too. So <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just only looking. one in 20 people can do that. That's yeah. right. Um, I'm just trying to check your code. I don't see any uh, strategy role. So maybe we have to, we have to find no, have a- academic researcher. You want to go with that? Kote? probably don't want that title. That's probably educator. There's an oh, educator well, title. No, Kote's a I DevOps specialist. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm full stack if the stack is like office. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com slash sdt. That's cbtnuggets.com slash sdt. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Well, I, you know, the, it looks like the, uh, you know, the, the cloud, uh, magic quadrant was out of good. Now, is that overall cloud or infrastructure as a service? Like what, what, uh, when we, when people the say the cloud magic quadrant, like what, what are they going for? Like which, which cloud MQ is that overall cloud or some, uh, they used to call it IIS, man. Yeah. The Project official name is the Gardner magic quadrant. For Cloud Infrastructure and Platform Services, or CIPS, mm. but I think for I I think of it as the Infrastructure as Service, you know, rankings for the most and, part, and maybe maybe PaaS stuff or something. A little oh, bit of PaaS, but it's I, I would say it's mostly the primitives, right? And uh, yeah, would be my, yeah, my guess, yeah, yeah. Get your database, so, your load balancers. So so it seems. I mean, I mean, once again, AWS. For yeah, well, here I'll just give the quick. Well, the, I should. Say, the quick rankings are AWS again, uh, on the top right, um, and it's almost kind of a linear-looking line, except that you know Microsoft, starting from Microsoft all the way down, it's just like a, a linear line. So you have AWS top right, Microsoft uh-huh. followed by Google, all of them in the leaders quadrant, followed by Alibaba Cloud, which is a visionary, and then Oracle. And Tencent and IBM are all in the niche player, which is the uh, that's the place mm. where um, your your executives call you as the offering manager, and you must prevent present a PowerPoint about what you're going to do to fix that. That's part of the job. Uh, so it's, um, not, it's so not that, if your niche is China. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. I think the Alibaba per- person he was he's. I mean, they're just outside the line, so he he's escaped. He or she escaped having to do the PowerPoint, right? So. Uh, but uh, yeah, so pretty much, you know, I would say the rankings for the most part have have been pretty consistent. I think I don't know the distance between IBM and Oracle is I think a little surprising. I mean, they're both a niche player, but IBM is pretty far mm. back now, um, and I'm surprised to see yeah, Oracle so yeah. far up there. But I guess they're they're crediting them that, for that, work that to is, come. As 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 we mentioned often, that is like the. Uh, I mean, I, I'm trying really hard to find a word that is uh, neutral, but that's. That's always a curious mystery of like, what's up with the Oracle cloud? Because it, uh, I mean, you know, because there's a lot of boasting about it and saying that it's awesome. 
and and you know it runs Tony Stark stuff, so it must be pretty cool. But like it is, uh, it's pretty high in there, right? And and it seems there must be something interesting going on there, uh, which would be fun to to peel back on. But you know, looking at this reminds me. I remember when I was doing strategy, I always had this uh, this kind of fantasy in my head that it would be fun to like get some programming that would do like pixel counting to like find the the amount of pixels that these things were apart from each other so you could get yeah. some sort of numeric ranking for them. And you know, there's all sorts of like uh, that was that would also have been good. There's a lot of charts that you'll see that don't have well, the um, which axis is it the the y axis. And uh, it would be nice to like go through and decode like what is the actual value. Well, of, of what what like what that. Gard what Gardner needs to do with this, of course, is release an animated GIF of you know this graph over time. Mm. I you know I, I've seen them previous years. You know they popped up on Twitter where you know they they photo you know they they took uh, the screenshot of each year's Magic Quadrant, and you could just watch the players you know wander around in in this uh, this chart, but. Uh, yeah, Gardner, up your game, man. Uh, we we want to see so, the we want to see people pulling away and leaving behind and dropping off. So <laughs> now, animations. now as mentioned, <laughs> we demand blood. <laughs> as as mentioned earlier, Brandon, you have been in product management for a long time. You you you've worried about these dots. Like so, what I always wonder with this magic quadrant, not to be dismissive of it, because you gotta you gotta do the blood work, as it were. But like, what do we do with this? Right. Like if if I look at this chart over the past five, this chart, whatever, over the past five or 10 years, it's sort of like it's almost like the uh, the Red Monk programming languages. It's like, yeah, you know, JavaScript's going to be number one. So whatever. Right. Like so why it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's no. I, I mean, I, that's what I'm getting to is like, I don't even know if the conclusion is why bother. But like, what are we uh, what are we doing here? Well, I think, you know, I think Gardner would say, you know, for somebody, for a CIO or anyone, you know, trying to decide ultimately where, where should they migrate? You know, something I spend a lot of time talking like, Hey, where, where should I migrate my applications if I'm going to consider the public cloud? Right. Like, and so it's, it's a de facto shortlisting tool and, you know, they have a write-up that you can go read. You know, basically each vendor gets like, uh, I think it's like three bullets for their strengths, three bullets for their weaknesses, the whole re- report's probably yeah. ten pages. So, so if I was, uh, if I said, "Hey, you know, you know, we're moving to the public cloud. I want you to develop a strategy." This would be this is the piece that Gardner would send their clients. Say, "Okay, here's here's a quick uh, set of yeah, uh, yeah. the ten people you should look for. Here's a quick, you know, strengths and weaknesses, and that would then allow you to kind of figure out, okay, who should I go talk to? And then they would likely talk to AWS, Microsoft, and Google. And I think the the other thing it kind of tells yeah. executives is like. If you're going to not pick one of the leaders, right, you should be prepped uh, as to why you're looking at one of the other, you know, if you will, niche players or visionaries and because your CEO is likely going to ask you that. So like, so, I mean, some of these answers would be easy. Like if you were in China, you'd be like, well, we think Alibaba cloud, right? Like that would be an easy answer, right? Like this is a good place because we're local. And then if you picked Oracle, you'd probably have some answer like, we really like their Oracle database vision and everything, you know, so you just got to have the answer right, ready to go. We got like, to go well, on a boat. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Or like we're getting preferred pricing or like we have a, we can't use uh, one of the other cloud providers cause we can, we view them as a competitor. Right. So, so I think it's just a yeah. shorthand yeah, yeah, yeah. for, uh, for, for those executives. Now, 
on the vendor side, of course, you know, this is like the, the rankings for the whole year. So it's like, you know, you have to be obsessed with it. Right. I mean, there's nothing you can do. And, and Google cloud, you know, hopped on this and they're like, you know, once again, Google cloud is, is in, you know, the, the, what do they call that quadrant? The leader's quadrant. And I was like, yeah, barely. (laughs) But, you know, they, they did hop on, you know, the marketing folks are like, you know, Hey, we're in the leader's quadrant and, you know, come download this Gartner report and see for yourself. Well, the thing and, about it is, you know, the way you have to play this as on the vendor side is like, if you are like in this case, AWS, the number one, they, I mean, just, of course, execute it perfectly. You come out and say how many years you've done it. And you just yeah. say, I, and you say years. you are the leader and you're not allowed to say you're number one. Cause Gardner is very, like they never, they say they are very particular. These are not rankings, even though these are rankings, they say they are not rankings, which is itself. A <laughs> these weird are not rankings. So there is no ranking. like, so what you then do if you're in the leader quadrant is you take, you tell everybody that you educate, you tell that your customers or your potential customers say, Hey, these aren't rankings. These are just kind of a directional things. And then you, you seek to nullify any of the, the movement of the dots by just saying, well, everyone's in the leader. Like we're in the leader, just like they're in the leader. So it's all equal. There's no difference. Right. So that's what you yeah. do. And then you explain to them like, oh, you're using it wrong. You know that. And then you get like a gardener person to explain it to them. And you have the gardener people send them an email. And that way you try to nullify any advantage. Of course, we all just look at the rankings. Like that's what everyone yeah. actually does. You know, it's somewhere, somewhere internally, Amazon's got like this, this chart and they've relabeled the axes. You know, it's just like, you know, how awesomeness and market dominance. Yeah. <laughs> wait, and, you know. wait. So, so you can, you can get an analyst to email a buyer explaining the magic quadrant. Away no, but no, you can't do it that ranking. way. I mean, what you would tell them is that if they're a gardener, uh, if they are a subscriber and if they have the report, they are right. They should be. So you would say, Hey, you, yeah, you would yeah. say to them, Hey, you should, um, why don't you set up an inquiry? with the analyst who wrote this report mm. and have them actually go over some of the results with you in sure, more detail. Sure, sure. I think what you'll find is that they really don't think of these as rankings. They think of these as more just like directional. And they said, why don't you have the analyst? And then sense. the analyst, yeah. when asked, the analyst would say like, these are not rankings. They're not meant to be like that. And they'd also say something like, it's really important. Everyone make the right choice for their situation. We don't know everyone's situation. So yeah. they're trying to be very yeah. neutral. It depends. Right. It depends. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I, I, well, I, I think I think there there's to to answer the, my original question. There's two things important here. Now, uh, on the buy side, I mean the vendor side is straightforward. It's just like you better be as high best. as possible in this unranked ranking. You want you want your not yes. a rank rank to be high, or as Brandon alluded to earlier, you're gonna you're gonna have to put a presentation together. That's yes. that's what what you're looking at there. And but on the buy side, there's two things. One with with a, a magic quadrant or MQ, as some people say, like this. You're just looking for validations of your intuition and your assumptions. That being in this case that there's top three, there's three top uh, cloud providers and you should choose one of those. Absolutely. You look at this magic quadrant and you're like, you're like, next slide. We've Absolutely. laid that out now. <laughs> well, it's like, I would say it's a little I, I wire think, cutter, like a little wire cut, cutter for enterprise, right? Like you have trust yeah, radius is exactly. another one, right? You know, just said like, hey, hey, where should I be looking? I'm going to go, these are the top three. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then so the second thing, which I think is more valuable that I always forget because I don't read these as much as I used to, is there is uh, a brief explanation of what the features are and what the it depending might be, right? Like this one is good for this type of thing. Well, I, I should put it another way. There's, they discuss, if I think I'm using this term correctly, they discuss the marginal differentiation, like what's actually different 
about these things than all the common stuff they do, right? You could all be like, I don't know, they run containers. They all do that. Some of them do it 50 different ways. But you want to know, like, what are the actual unique features that each one has so that you can start to think about that from from the uh, the buy side versus like versus like, you know, I remember lots of uh, monitoring magic quadrants that are full of like 30 different things. And you're just like, the this is the days. opposite problem. Of just yeah. Like, yeah, this is the opposite problem where you're like, I I have no idea what to choose now. There's like <laughs> there's like 20 in the leaders quadrant. And so, yeah. you know, it gets a little even more confusing. Uh, about how to uh, use that stuff. Well, they normally so, retire the magic quadrant when either it stops changing or the number of vendors kind of you know gets probably at a max minimum you need four. So like this is an interesting because it's you could say mm. it's potentially like when this magic quadrant started, right? We go back in time. There was probably thirty dots on it. I, I mean, remember. It was, yeah, it was crazy. And yeah, then that's why we need the animation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it was. Uh, I actually think it was valuable for all of us because it was just hard to keep up with like, oh, like who has, you know, I mean, who oh, has what, yeah, right? Totally. So now we're at. We had to talk about who does what and why, right? Yeah. Why? So now I we're at a seven, right? And it hasn't changed much. So, you know, if somebody were to get out here, which I don't think any of these people, I'm not going to throw a prediction anyone's exiting yet. Um, <laughs> but if, if they did, you start to get to the point where you, they usually retire it and then kind of start out with something new because it's sort of well, settled. Well, they should retire it discussion. and just name it after the winner. They should be like the Amazon quadrant. <laughs> the Hall of Fame. Go into the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame. right? The Amazon quadrant. Yeah. Like they did, uh, they retired some of the ones I used to work on, like an identity and access manager. They kind of renamed them. So, uh, but it is, yeah, you should actually get a plaque or something. You know, it's like graduation. Or, I, that, that would be a great idea. Um, I like I like that idea. So now I do think one thing about this, though, is like it's also interesting sometimes, like who just isn't on the magic quadrant period, but maybe they could be there. So if you go back to the Stack Overflow uh, survey, uh, Heroku and DigitalOcean are actually on the cloud platforms list, right? So they don't qualify for this magic quadrant, but probably for this, our listeners and stuff, um, they are definitely viable platforms that are being used um, you know, I would say as infrastructure as service, kind of a different segment. So, yeah. so I think their case well, is like, I, I think they actually, I actually think not being on there helps them, right? Cause they can really position themselves as, you know, and, and the, in their own the, right. the full, the full blown Gartner report explains the, the criteria for why people are excluded. You know, maybe they don't offer, you know, load balancing as a service or, you know, just one of the oh, like yeah, basic yeah. building blocks. There's yeah. something that, you know, they don't have, and they're like, well, we consider this, you know, for inclusion in our SIPs quadrant here, uh, you got to have yeah. that. But of course, thanks to Stack Overflow, we know that people love themselves some DigitalOcean. Yeah. And in fact, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I, I bet Heroku is not on there because they only have one way to run containers. That's right. That was probably <laughs> the criteria. But it does, it comes up as like, you know, if you uh, look at back at the, that report, it's uh, AWS is 54%. This is, I'm talking about Stack Overflow, GCP 31, Azure 30. So kind of the top three, kind of a little bit different rankings, but kind of clustered. But then you see Heroku at 24% and DigitalOcean at 17%. So that really, I mean, kind of, because then it really drops off. Like IBM yeah, is two point five, yeah. and Oracle Cloud one point eight. So really, you know, it's a whole step function, a logarithmic change, if you will, uh, between the two. So, oh no! But Heroku uh, <laughs> and DigitalOcean, like they they are being used pretty well. I mean, if you to believe the Stack Overflow, at least this community is using them a lot more than they are represented in the Gartner thing, which 
I mean, it is interesting. And I think their answer, right, why they're not in there is great. It's DigitalOcean, right? It's sort of like, we're just really good at some basic infrastructure. That's all you need. We're cheap, we're fast, yeah. we're great. And I think Haruko, to you said before Cote, it's like, hey, we don't, we don't mess with a million different ways to do stuff. We do it one way. It's really simple and you should use us. So they, it gives them some nice positioning, right? Like it's a nice natural way to say, by not being in there, you can really kind of position yourself however you want. You don't like it? You know, you know, you know what? One day, Brandon, we're finally going to do uh, our stint at Austin Community College doing our <laughs> lecture series on uh, like enterprise marketing. Yeah. Enterprise yeah, yeah. software there marketing. Yeah. And, and I think I think one one week because you have one class a week, right? I, no, you, I, I forget how college works. Like it's two classes a week. <laughs> it depends. Right. But one of our lectures, I think we need to we need to do some research on there have got at Heroku. There must have been so many moments where there was one or maybe two, but let's just make it dramatic. Let's use the, uh, the great person <laughs> of history where, where the, there was one product manager who just argued for several hours and then went out for drinks and then was hung over the next day to not have an on-premise version of Heroku. Like that argument must have just happened over and over and someone had to like hold that line that like we are not going on-premise. And that would be, you know, because... You know, we could have a general rule, as we, we've established on this podcast, that eventually you're always going to be on premise, just like <laughs> you're going to offer a SaaS service and talk about how it's great. Just yep. I'll see you in 12 months. And then one day right? you're going to have AWS somehow, anywhere. Yep. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Somehow Heroku escaped this, right? Like, I don't know if they have ever had anything remotely like on premise. And I well, just have to imagine there were lots of uh, lots, lots of lots of fights about that. Or maybe... But Lots of really expensive sushi dinners. Somehow, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that, that product manager, you know, that product manager got, you know, when they got acquired by Salesforce, they moved up, and Salesforce like, welcome home. We're never going on premises, right? That's true. You know, that was a natural that, fit. That's a good point. That, that was, was a natural a good, fit. They're yeah. just like, no, no, we don't do that. You know, this this is SaaS. You know, those people. We got to have somebody on the show. I want to, I, I kind of have as a to do. I need to get someone that can, from someone either who was at Haruku or is still there and wants to talk about it. Cause I do just, I'm perpetually like, man, there's like a whole story here. Like maybe stuff's happening here a lot more than, because I just don't see it that much. But then I see these things and I'm, and I know people like love the model or at least, you know, the vision. And it yeah. feels like the yeah. world, the vision is, it's coming back to them. Maybe it never left. So I just think if you're at her, her Salesforce now, you're just like, Hey, we had it right at the beginning. We never changed. We never did this. And people are coming home. The The people are going to come back to us and they're going to finally believe in us. I don't know if that's really how that works, but, uh, uh, I, I just, it feels like a, like, like why they didn't win this is, is like, it's weird. It's like, like they should have won more than oh. they did, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, I mean, you know, it's even beyond like the old, uh, snarky thing, like welcome to the party that Heroku would say. It's just like, it's like if you ran into like a hippie today that was totally reformed and worked for the IRS and was retired and was just hanging out. And then you went up to that hippie and you're like, oh, man, we should like go take some LSD and like, you know, just go crazy. And, and, and the old the old retired hippie would just be like, I don't know, man, welcome to the party. Like that was a long <laughs> time ago. And you're, you're finally catching up to it. We tried so hard. And now you finally got that food guy, Pollen or whatever, like advocating for, uh, you know, crazy drugs in society but like we had it fine when we mixed up all the stuff in a trash can and hung out with the hell's angels and uh you know wh where was everyone then so on that note do we have any bureaucracy this week brandon 
Uh, we do not, uh, other than just to say, if anyone would like a sticker, um, please feel free to send me your postal address to stickers at software talk.com. And I will be able, um, excuse me, I will be willing to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Happy to do it. And then, um, also just want to throw out just a general topic topic. If you're in the Slack or you wanted to send me an email, Interested to know if uh, you would like Software Defined Talk to ever do either a webinar, uh, maybe like a virtual meetup, or like a roundtable. We we'll do it all online. But if you've been to any one of those and you think those are any good ideas, let me know. I'm sort of trying to get some, get a feel for uh, how we can, if you will, get everyone together uh, beyond just being on the stream uh, together uh, here today, but you know, doing other stuff together. So if you have any ideas, hit me up in Slack or hit me up in email. Yeah, and, and maybe, uh, you know, I, I was looking at the VMware travel policy, and if I read it correctly, I can start traveling again out of the uh, tiny country of the Netherlands. So it, w- it would be fun to uh, actually do, uh, you know, first travel and then see people. That, that would be fun. Speaking of, not all of these are travel related, but there are a few conferences worth mentioning. Now, there's uh, the conference of my organization, Spring One, that's September 1st and 2nd. I think we finalized the, the talks and the track that uh, that I'm working on. So now I need to call up my the panelist for the session I have and actually plan something out. That's the fun thing about a panel is uh, you can just come up with an idea and plan it out later. It's even easier than a, a, a writing a, 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 um, a talk abstract where you just make it vague so you can fill in the details. That's that's something that I learned from our, uh, our friend Bridget is you make sure the abstract is a little vague so that you can kind of do whatever you like when the actual talk uh, occurs. Uh, but there's also, you know, y'all were nice to uh, mention it last week, but we finally uh, have talked about we have, we have this DevOps loop conference on October 4th. Both of these, Spring One and DevOps, are uh, uh, loop are uh, online. But you should check that one out. It's free to register. You can go to, to devopsloop.io or the show notes at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 314 and uh, register for those. But the speaker lineup we have is really good. And then it looks like our favorite Cephalopod conference, that conference is going to be in Texas, uh, January 17th to 20th. Maybe I should apply to speak there. And it's going to be in uh, Round Rock. So I finally figured out. uh, In Round Rock. Yeah. So it's going to be just up the street here from uh, World World Headquarters of Software Defined Talk or US Headquarters. So it's the Kalahari Resort. So I didn't realize this until I, I guess I should have looked a long time ago, but this is a, uh, one of those places where it has like the gigantic indoor pools right inside. It's like the Whoa. lodge. Um, I forget the name of it, but you take a lot of people take the their children. To, yeah. Great, great wolf. wolf lodge. Yeah. So it's like a, a great wolf lodge kind of thing. Cause you know, it's, I've actually, mm. you know, so it's, it's not far from me. So I've been there. So, so oh, one, that's, that's, that's on the, that, that's on the toll road. Right. Yes. Like, is that exactly. This, this exactly. Places? We're going. I'm Which sure everybody in Europe slide? is enjoying this. Uh, this content. It's on the troll road. Yeah, that road. Exactly right. But uh, anyway, so I was going to say, uh, one kudos to them. January is a great time to come to Texas. It should be hopefully night. The weather should be really nice. But then too, yeah. it's like I was just like, you know what I got to do? I got to find a way to get get in this conference and then get a pass so I can take the family to the pool. And then, uh, you know, I can go be a, a camp counselor or, or listen to some good talks. So hopefully we've got a bunch of people here. We we need to have a live recording there of, uh, of this show. <laughs> okay, don't 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 we know someone who organizes this conference? Yeah, Brett. He always. We, I we think. Well, uh, I mean, I think we just kind of invited ourselves on, but maybe we could go ask him. Be like, hey, we want to do some of this show. So, but he's pretty open to it. I think he'll 
he'll let us do something. So, uh, oh, he just said yes in the, yeah, in the yeah. stream. So there we go. We're in. So now we just have we, to get two we, people we do... <laughs> approximately somewhere between the travel would be great for Matt Ray. It's like, I don't know, 15,000 miles or something. <laughs> if I can leave the country, I'm there. That, right. that sounds great. All right. We have a lot right of now, uh, logistics to work out. Yeah. Right now I can't leave my sub subdivision, but sure. <laughs> well, li- listen, listen, last time uh, I'm going to do the uh, letter to the boss. Last time I traveled back to the States in January I went up to Iowa, like, and it was also in January or February. And I, I drove in a gigantic Ram truck that I rented accidentally. And like, I was driving on the highway and you could see the snow just like, it was almost as if like my son had gotten out a bag of confection sugar, powdered sugar, and he was just blowing it across the highway constantly. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die in Iowa, like just from (laughs) driving this. (laughs) So, so uh, what I'm saying is I could wrap up all sorts of value added trips to this, but we need to do the, uh, like we should do the closing talk. Everyone should stay through the, the closing. So you can see the, uh, the wrap up from these, these three chuckleheads or whatever, but that would, yeah. uh, that'd be fun. Anyways, lots of conferences. Uh, so with that, Matt Ray, what do you have to recommend this week? Well, uh, I'm launching a new podcast. Uh, you know, the software defined talk is my, my true love, but, um, we over at Trigger Mesh, we are launching a new podcast uh, called Cloud Native Application Flows, or Cloud Native AF for short. And we're going to be talking about event-driven architectures and uh, integrating things from you know the cloud to on-premises. My hope uh, for the the show is we're going to get lots of interesting stories of uh, people succeeding and failing, moving stuff into the cloud. So uh, the first mm-hmm. episode is out now. Go add it to your uh, podcast listener of choice and look for Cloud Native AF uh, and uh, subscribe. Thanks. The first, first guest was John Willis. So, you know, you know, you know, we had some good conversations. Real, real barnstormer there. Did you talk about sleeping on a mainframe? That's my favorite John Willis story. (laughs) Oh, man, I got to get him back on. Yeah, yeah. You, You know, I've been thinking the next little booklet I need to write for this year is something about like legacy systems and and software but from from the uh what do we call it the strategy level right not a technical thing but just figuring that out and so that seems related like people trying to migrate workloads have to deal with that that a lot how about yourself brandon what do you have to recommend uh this week i uh recommend a movie called let him go i think it was i watched it on hbo max it's with uh, kevin costner and diane lane so if you like kevin costner and yellowstone it's uh kind of a similar feel a little bit a little bit different but uh kind of a thriller kind of thing so i enjoyed it it's uh you know as i measure all movies it's uh it's one that like kind of forced me to put down my phone and i i paid attention i thought the acting was really good i will say it's a little there's like one scene that's maybe a little shocking so if uh, i won't ruin it but if that's not your thing maybe stay away from it but if you're interested in it uh i thought it was well done i enjoyed it so check it out let them go is, is this a new movie uh i think it was released this year um, but it just finally oh, wow. showed up in uh, my HBO Max feed, so I just, uh, I just, you know, I, I just watched it just the other day. Okay, now wait. So Kevin Costner is the Dancing with Wolves guy, right? In Waterworld. Yes, correct on both counts. So how I that I haven't seen that guy in forever. How's that guy doing? Well, you got to watch like Yellowstone <laughs> is his, his uh, 
That's what he's probably been known. Like that's a TV series, right? That's on Paramount network, which can be hard to get for lots of reasons, but uh, that has three seasons. I think a lot of people think he does uh, well in that. So that's probably when he's been most, most uh, noteworthy recently. All right. All right. Well, I have, have, uh... Oh yes. Yeah, that was good. That I have, I have two related recommendations. So one, before we moved out of the old neighborhood, we finally went to this little French restaurant. You got to make reservations because it's just a, um, I forget the French for it. It's a set menu. Is that priest fix or whatever? But uh, there's this tiny place over in Vatagrasmir called, pardon my French pronunciation, La, La Valade or Valde. I, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce French, but uh, it's a nice little restaurant. It's very, uh, it, it almost takes the casualness of the Dutch and like just like multiplies it times 10. It makes it logarithmic. Uh, they're very laid back and it's they the food was wonderful. But so the other recommendation is that, uh, we, of course, ordered the house wine because whatever. And uh, so I want to rec- I found that you can buy this house wine that they had and uh, I want to recommend it. It's called La Pauline and uh, it's quite good and affordable. It's basically about seven euros a bottle, uh, which is cheap uh, for around here. And it's a it's a good just like mellow table wine. It's it's uh, not too strong, not too weak. It's uh, good stuff. So check out that restaurant, which I can't pronounce. Make a reservation. Show up there. Don't eat too much bread, even though the bread's delicious. And uh, try some of their house wine, and you can just order a whole pack of it uh, online. I think uh, not from Vivino, but you can find it online somewhere to order. So with that, I apologize for my microphone levels uh, being terrible and also the quality. We just moved. And I haven't found my box of stuff yet, oddly enough. Uh, but as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to see the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash, as I load the page, someone took the episode number off of <laughs> our show notes. So I forget. <laughs> you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 314. We've have all <laughs> sorts of links that we haven't talked about and uh, that you can click on. You should also join our Slack uh, world. You can see the world's, uh, maybe not the world's, but a very long thread. We're trying to break the threading in Slack and all sorts of other conversations uh, related to stuff here. So with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. I think this is his page. Okay. First of all, this page is a work of art. If you can see this, this is like, this is like the pages <laughs> I made. Like, First this is like the pages intro I made to HTML, the and, no style sheet needed. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I love it. I love this page, but let me show you my favorite one, Philosopher's Notebook. Boom. It's just like, you look at this page and you're like, how does he even, what is going on here now? I forget where Safari, where do they have view source in Safari? Because if you view source. Under develop. Under development. Oh, oh, what have they done? You know, that must be like the LaTeX export or something. Because I've seen that so many times in academic stuff. Hold on, don't spoil it. There we go. Show page source. If you go to so, show page source, boom. Microsoft Word 2008. Oh, there you go. Ah, oh, that's why you've seen it so much. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Although, although maybe, uh, what is this Neo Office BS? Who knows? Anyways, that's that's my favorite web page on the entire internet. <laughs>